Thanks to Feels for supporting the Apple Bits XL. Feels has me feeling my best, and it can help you too. Become a member today by going to feels.com slash AppleBits, and you'll get 50% off automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. Also, thanks to Indeed for supporting the Apple Bits XL. My team is a small business. Every single hire needs to fit just right. That's why I'm working with Indeed. Get started right now with a free $75 credit to upgrade your jobs post at indeed.com slash AppleBits. Offer valid through March 31st. Terms and conditions apply. All right, everybody, let's get to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's the AppleBits XL. Brian Tong here, your host, doing the most for everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. Welcome, welcome, everybody. If you are new to this podcast, hey, if you want to hear about the latest Apple news, kind of the big tech news of the week, you came to the right place. This is the place to talk about it all. We talk about it inside, outside, and how it affects everything. And so thank you so much for coming out to check it out. If you are a longtime listener of the show, thanks so much as well, because without you, we wouldn't be able to keep on doing this. So this is a show that is all about y'all. We are going to hit a bunch of things. Apple released new software, kind of betas, but iOS 14.5 looks like to be a real, real significant upgrade. So we will talk about even more new features they've added in the second beta that just dropped this week. This is not available to the public yet. We'll get into that. We've got your calls as well. All you got to do to be a part of this show, call in applebitsshow at gmail.com. That's applebits with a Z. Tell us your name, where you're from, what you want to talk about, your thoughts, your ideas, what you're thinking, your questions, your comments, your criticisms. All you got to do is just record a voice memo on your phone, on your laptop, whatever platform you're on, send it in, applebitsshow at gmail.com. We got four calls, so you're all represented. I love it when I kind of ask for you all to participate because you really add a lot of texture to the show. So we will get to those calls later in the show. Also, this show is brought to you by you. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you can support this show. Thank you so much for all of your support up to this point, even through these wild times. It starts at $2 per month. It's $5 per month, which is a cup of coffee, goes up to $10, $25, the $100 platinum level. It gets you early access to content, benefits at each level, and completely ad-free version of this podcast. You hear no ads whatsoever. If you support that show, there's a special link to that as well. And we just did wrapped up like a fun monthly Zoom call. It's just like an hour plus free flow talking. We have some fun. It's kind of part of the community. So patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you do it. All right. Let's get into the meat and the potatoes of this week. It's going to be software, but this is important because we know that iOS 14 or iOS 14.5 as it is now, at least in its beta form, this is the heart of iOS. This is really, if we talk to everyone here that listens to this podcast, I would I would guess roughly around 80 to 85% of you have an iPhone. I know there's people on Android, but I got to guess a large amount of you have an iPhone. We all know that you all have at least one Apple product if you're listening to this most likely. And if you're not, man, I got nothing but love for you. So new iOS 14.5 beta hit and it brings new features, new bells and whistles. The biggest thing that's important to me, emojis. I swear I want to do it really long, but I also got to be considerate to y'all. There's new emojis that have been introduced into the 14.5 beta update that is currently not available to the public. Like I said, it will be coming. We don't have an exact time frame, but we're probably getting closer and closer within weeks. It adds things like 
a heart on fire for all you romantics. There's a kind of more sad one, like a mending heart that has two bandages on it. You got the exhaling face with like a, it kind of looks like it could be a puff puff face too. Uh, a crazy face with spiral eyes, face in the clouds. Apple also changed their headphone emoji, at least on their platform, into AirPods Max, white AirPods Max at that. And then the syringe, which usually had like a drip of blood coming out, it's now become just kind of a generic silver syringe. So I know it's not the biggest breaking story, but emojis matter. For me, I think, what would I use the most here of these? I'd probably use the hearts on fire because, you know, I'm a passionate kind of guy. Not that we're going to get into that. Now, new, other new updates, it looks like it may have fixed some of the green tint screen issues that some iPhone owners have been experiencing, this specifically to iPhone 12 models. People said, hey, it either exhibits like a gray or green glow. Apple said that they would look into it back in November. So according to some sources, but not everyone, people that have had that issue and have run the iOS 14.5 beta 2 update, it resolves that. So we're not sure, enti- or really we're not entirely clear if the beta you know, 100% addresses that issue, but at least it is starting to show for some people that they are, that green tint has gone away. There's also been built in here, and we'll talk about a little more, a mention in the code of iOS 14 beta 2 about an idea of an iPhone with a battery pack under the optimized charging section. So could we be seeing a smart battery case be added as an accessory to the iPhone? And then when you start talking about that, if we're talking about the iPhone 12 and later, you got to start about thinking about a MagSafe battery pack. That is a rumored feature, not confirmed, but in the code of iOS 15.4, sorry, 14.5. See how the numbers get jumbled when your brain ain't working? 14.5 beta 2. Also, there's like a new shortcut action for taking a screenshot that can be incorporated into various shortcuts if you play with that app. Uh, I I mean, I've used it a few times, but I end up just kind of navigating things on my own. But it is great when you can call in our friend Siri and then, you know, do a few things like that. So shortcuts, they've added some new actions. Also, Apple Music has a new ability where when you slide over a track specifically, you can now add the song to a now playing queue or add it to the music Apple Music library. This is specifically in Apple Music. There's also a cool thing where um, when you long press on a song, there's new options to either play it last or show album. And then a new thing that people are talking about is that if you are in the lyrics mode or the share lyrics feature, this doesn't, does not apply to every song, but you can actually send specific lyrics and song clips to other people by doing a long press on a lyric when you're viewing the real-time lyrics of that song, if they're available. Hope you followed that, followed along with that. Yeah, maybe. Also, MagSafe wallet lovers, if you got that accessory, I did, but then I returned it quickly. Um, When attaching or detaching it, there's a stronger, more noticeable haptic vibration that is part of that. So these are new key features that were just released and revealed in the second beta of iOS 14.5. But I've said, this is going to be a big update. I'm just going to kind of go through a few refreshers from past episodes we've talked about that iOS 14.5 as a whole, it's going to bring the ability to unlock your iPhone if you are an Apple Watch owner. 
if you're wearing a mask. So if you have those two in tandem, you'll be able to unlock your phone without having to pull your mask down and using Face ID. Your Apple Watch will be kind of that way to authenticate that it's you and it'll unlock that for your phone for you. It'll also finally bring dual SIM 5G support um, and then also T-Mobile standalone 5G network support. There is the new kind of crowdsourcing for accidents, hazards, and speed checks in the Apple's Maps app that will be part of iOS 14. Think of it like a Waze-like feature now integrated directly in there. And then we've talked about iOS 14.5's emojis in the second beta. We've also talked about earlier how you will now be able to, at least in the beta, set a default music streaming service that all songs that you play will now use that streaming service. You don't have to use Apple Music by default. And then also, currently, you can actually direct your iPhone to play songs from a specific service, but it doesn't stay in that service. So I could tell to play a song by uh, Usher on Spotify. You can do that today. But the difference here is that you could say, you could basically make Spotify your default music player in iOS 14.5. Other stuff in here, uh, we have expanded controller support. So that's the latest PlayStation 5 DualSense and Xbox Series X controllers. They will now work in 14.5 when it's available for the public with iOS and iPadOS 14.5. Also another big one, at least for people that have complained to me, AirPlay 2 for Fitness Plus allows you to now mirror what's on your iOS devices onto TVs that support AirPlay 2 that do not have an, a physical Apple TV box. That's actually been activated in the second beta, so if you have that, you can try it out. The biggest caveat is that you won't see your real-time metrics on those TVs, so I'm talking about if you own a TCL or a Samsung or a Sony or a LG TV that is AirPlay 2 compatible, you can run Apple Fitness on it. You just won't see your real-time metrics. You also have the app tracking transparency. That's gonna that's a switch that's gonna be flipped on. I mean, when I look down this list, it actually feels more like it could have been held out for iOS 15, and then maybe you put in like one or two flagship features. But this is a significant update that is happening this year, most likely within the next month. And I think it's a great thing. I mean, I never am gonna complain about new software as as long as it's not buggy and as as long as it doesn't crash my devices, which you know, a few years ago that it wasn't just so easy for me to say, hey, upgrade your devices. But the past year, and I would say specifically this year as well, they've tightened up that ship and thank goodness they have. It doesn't mean there's not bugs. It doesn't mean that this is going to work flawlessly for everyone. But I think that they've been able to, their quality control has definitely picked up in the past year, I would say to a year and a half. All right. What would be a show, an episode here without iPhone 13 rumors. We've got some actually fun tidbits, things that haven't been necessarily thrown out there as much. Now, earlier in the week, I was on a break, so like a three-day break. I just had to have a breather because I've been cranking hard. And so I just took a little three-day breather, but obviously came back to bring you the podcast because that's how we do it. Well, according to Everything Apple Pro, and he's worked in partnership with Max Weinbeck, who's really put out a lot of leaks um, specifically on other sites. But this video itself came out earlier in the week and it talks about some of the new rumored features that we could see on the iPhone 13 or if they call it the iPhone 12S. It depends on who you ask. It depends on maybe how, what, how you feel the day you woke up. But 
for at least let's call it the 2021 iPhones, there's now rumored that they will include an always on display according to Max Weinbeck. Now, this is obviously, if you aren't familiar with this, similar to what the Apple Watch does with their always on display. It's kind of a slim down screen. We've, first of all, I should even say like an Apple Watch, like on many Android phones who have had always on displays for, I'm going to say at least, I feel like three years, at least three. If I'm wrong, you can correct me. You can call in and just let me know. Like, no, Brian, it's more like five years just to let you know. But always on displays have been around for actually longer than three years. But I'm, I'm thinking of like Samsung products right now. So that will be a feature coming to the iPhone, which does use an OLED display. And we've been kind of asking and hoping for this forever. So OLED displays also use less power than LCD displays. So because this is a technology, when we talk about TVs and screens, each pixel is individually controlled and lit. So you really have the ability to, when you turn it off, you're actually turning off that pixel. You're saving that power instead of it kind of always being on and and idle. OLED gives you that ability to optimize this. But again, we've seen this in plenty of phones. So it's going to be really more like a toned down lock screen. Um, you'll see the clock and battery charge always visible according to Wineback. And then notifications will be shown through a bar and icons. If you receive a notification, it'll pop up normally, but instead of like the entire screen lighting up, it'll it'll kind of display a dimmed down version in like a bar and it's only temporary. So that's what the report says there. The newest reports and leaks from Wineback also confirm that a 120 hertz ProMotion Refresh rate is happening on the 2021 iPhone Pro models. Rumored to be part of the iPhone 12. Even rumored that it might have squeaked in in the iPhone 12 Pro Max, but it never happened. So we're talking about, okay, potentially always on and ProMotion display. This also would not require a physical change in design at all. The report is that the iPhones will remain exactly the same. We've seen plenty of reports in the past talk about how All four models will be available as well. And then the other one that kind of caused a little bit of buzz is the fact that the report says this new iPhone will also have um, a hardware change with maybe a matte black kind of grippier, more comfortable finish, not as slippery. Um, If you've felt something like the Google Pixel series that kind of has a more textured yet matte, yet not as slippery surface, uh, I mean, I... Most of us throw cases on them anyways these days because these are like $1,000 pieces of hardware, $500 to $1,000 pieces of hardware in our pocket. So that's there. Also, part of the report talked about how MagSafe could be getting stronger. And this has always been, I've always felt MagSafe was pretty weak. But what I saw is that Belkin had released their own accessories for that are MagSafe compatible. And I talked to Belkin and they they don't officially state it in the specs of their products, but they have like a, a pro car vent mount that sticks your vent and connects through MagSafe. They also have their um like a three-way wireless charging stand that supports an iPhone, an Apple Watch, and then you drop your AirPods on the bottom. Well, when I felt the connection, I said, this is a lot stronger than normal. And I talk about it in one of my product in one of my videos where I showcase them. And they told me that they actually put stronger magnets on their end so that the connection would be stronger. So this idea of Apple maybe potentially playing with 
making adding stronger magnets wouldn't change the form factor if they do. But it's something that I think they really should do. But if not, if it's just maybe the phone stays the same and then it's their new accessories that add a little more magnet stick or hold so that they don't have to, you know, even play around with changing what's in the phone. I mean, they could do it on both sides, but a company like Belkin did it on their own without Apple's permission, per se. Also, another focus of this new phone, according to the report, astrophotography. Now, this typically requires more complicated setups, and we've seen how astrophotography and this super zoom, 100x zoom, specifically looking pretty amazing, coming from a freaking phone on the Galaxy S21 Ultra has been. Well, astrophotography will be, according to the report, an aspect of the new iPhone. Um, It'll allow the phone to detect different artifacts like the moon and the stars with a specific setting, and you can play with exposure. Bottom line, according to rumors that we've heard for a while, the ultra-wide camera across the entire iPhone 2021 lineup is expected to bring an improved sensor lens. But when you talk about astrophotography, look, the Galaxy S21 Ultra has a true 10x optical zoom because they have this special periscope lens uh, mechanism that basically is laying down inside the body of the phone and allows it to get that extra distance. So it's a true 10x optical zoom. This is not a faked out digital zoom. Well, the iPhone, unless they do something really magical, it looks like the highest true optical zoom they'll get is something maybe like three in this year's phone. We still don't know that, but okay, fine, it might take better astrophotography, but a 10X optical on an S21 Ultra makes a huge difference when you're talking about shooting something in the sky from distance. Um, But maybe they just call it astrophotography and it's a a kind of a pre-made setting, kind of like night mode is, and it does different things with the sensor. I I would feel like that would most likely be it. And then all of a sudden, you're going to see this amazing campaign of astrophotography on the iPhone. And it's like, I mean, we're talking about the S20 that really started pushing that idea as well. And don't get me wrong, 100x super zoom, not super effective, but in some cases, it can be useful. Also, another nugget of information, we've talked about this for a while, this is probably my most requested camera feature on the iPhone, the ability to bring portrait video or bokeh video, right? This is that really nice buttery blurred out background with the subject in the front, super crisp and clean, very DSLR like according to the report portrait video could be making it to this 2021 iPhone as well. And look, they have all the sensors to do it. They have the LIDAR sensor to really detect the depth to separate the subject from the background. I mean, they even have night mode portrait mode in the current iPhone 12 pro lineup and that takes advantage of it, and it's subtle. But if it can do that in the dark and in the night, you you got to imagine they have the algorithms and the tech and the processing power to do it with video because uh, Samsung has had it for a while. It, it's it's all right. Um, but and I'm not going to lie. I'd love to see how Apple does it. So that that's kind of some of those things that have been floating around around the iPhone 13. Apple also recently had a patent that was published this week that describes an iPhone display with a high refresh rate. And we're not talking about 120 hertz, but we're talking about 240 hertz and even higher than that. Gives you those super 
oh, I don't want to say the word buttery smooth, but yeah, buttery smooth, great for gaming. This is just literally like a patent idea. So pushing the refresh rate to as high as 180 or 240 hertz. It actually even, if you read the patent, it alludes to it being even higher than that. So it feels to me like this is something more of like a future proofing. We have developed at least some sort of tech to optimize this for future screens. But let's let's get to 120 hertz first before we we start getting to uh, 240. Yeah, I think so. Another another instance in technology where maybe let's get 5G up to speed. Even though I know we're always looking forward, Bloomberg released a, a few reports out here from our buddy Mark Gurman, who's a guest and friend of the show. And the latest report from Bloomberg talks about how Apple is hiring engineers to work on 6G wireless connectivity specifically. So there are job listings for positions at Apple's own Silicon Valley Cupertino headquarters and San Diego, where the company is working on wireless technology and development and chip design. Now this is, remember, this is all part of Apple's Intel chip acquisition. We've seen the magic that they have done with Apple's A-series chip in the iPhone, the M1 series chip for the Macs, and my God, I, I just cannot wait to see how that all evolves and shakes out in basically the second generation or generation one and a half this year. I'm super excited about that. Super excited. I mean, who whoever thought we'd be this juiced up about Apple processors, but it is the most transformative thing that they have and they have done in a long time. So the job posting itself, I'll just kind of read an expert excerpt from it. Expert. Speak English, Brian. You will have the unique and rewarding opportunity to craft next generation wireless technology that will have deep impact on future Apple products, according to this job posting. In this role, you will be at the center of cutting edge research group responsible for creating next generation disruptive radio access technologies over the next decade. Now, to be clear, for those of you that are like, oh man, I ain't going to buy an iPhone right now because 5G. Oh, I'm going to wait for 6G. The reality is that 6G wireless technology, which is estimated to be roughly 100 times faster than 5G. And again, we don't even ha- we haven't even been able to take advantage of really true benefits of 5G widespread. Maybe some of you, maybe certain pockets, maybe you're standing right under an antenna, you might feel that. But 6G isn't even expected to roll out until 2030, y'all. So you got some time, I would say it's okay to invest in a 5G iPhone right now. Don't let it like stop you or anything like that. But the big thing about this is Apple wants to get on board on this in its early stages because now that they don't have to rely on other chip manufacturers, they can control their own destiny and their own fate. They recently, um, there's this thing called the Next G Alliance that Apple is a part of. And so other members of the group include Cisco, Google, Hewlett Packard, Intel, LG, VMware, Charter. But we know that other companies like AT&T, their engineers are also already working on the next gen 6G networking. But this is a ways out. Again, Apple now becoming such a beast that they can control the entire product life product pipeline, it it's going to make them even more scary from a standpoint of being efficient, being able to get products out faster, being able to optimize software and hardware together. We literally just scratched the surface with the M1. 
I mean, they could, even beyond the M1, software and optimizations that they have discovered and learned over all this time from even just the first batch of M1 chips, those chips can get better. And then that's going to also benefit whether you want to call it the M1.5X or the M2 chips, whatever we see this year, my God. Like, this is exciting. We also know that if you rewind, I think it was around the same time. It might have been just before or after, but Apple and Qualcomm themselves, Qualcomm chip manufacturer for the Snapdragon processor and mobile um, modems, they had their own legal battle that they were going back and forth with. They basically eventually came to a settlement between the two. It was about IP stealing, you know, violating our patents, taking this, taking that. They ended up settling and reached a multi-year chipset supply agreement. So that allowed Apple to use Qualcomm's 5G modems in their iPhone 12 modems. Remember, there were reports that Intel wasn't able to deliver their modems on time and at the quality that Apple expected for their iPhone 12 lineup. So all of a sudden, like these two rivals, Apple and Qualcomm, beefing with each other, quickly settled. And so from that settlement, it had revealed that at the time, Apple is going to likely use the Snapdragon X60 modem for the 2021 iPhones. Then followed by that would be the first 10 gigabit 5G modem. That would be the Snapdragon X65 in the 2022 iPhones. And again, that might sound exciting. Trust me, 10 gigabit 5G in a phone sounds exciting. Uh, I'm still waiting for them just to get 5G up and running, readily available in major cities. And, you know, I'm not even talking about for those of you who don't live in a major city, right? You're probably like, ugh, don't even talk about 6G or even 5G to me right now. I can't even get any of that. It depends on where you are and and what infrastructure is being put up there. But after that 10 gigabit 5G modem from Qualcomm, the Snapdragon X65 in 2022 iPhones, the belief is that Apple will likely switch to their own in-house 5G modems for iPhones by 2023. So that's something kind of fun to look out for to see what, how that all shakes out. I talked about earlier, this is another report from Bloomberg about, hey, there was code in iOS 14.5's beta 2 about a potential MagSafe battery pack. Well, according to Bloomberg's Mark Gurman again, Apple is indeed working on a magnetic battery pack attachment for iPhone 12. So in the report, he says that Apple's been developing the attachment for at least a year, and it's been scheduled to launch in the months. It was scheduled to launch in the months following the release of the iPhone 12 lineup. That was according to people with knowledge of the product. Remember, iPhone 12 models, the release schedule was a little different because of COVID and pandemic happened in October. The battery pack would attach using the MagSafe system, but some of the prototypes of the battery pack, they have a white rubber exterior and they don't want to be identified to the public, but you know, this is you could use it for charging and pairing other accessories like cases and wallets within the system. So who knows if you could stack, you know, a wallet to a MagSafe battery pack, which is kind of weird. I hope not. Maybe. I don't think so. At least a case and then a MagSafe battery pack. But this has still been in development. It's reportedly hindered by software issues. Um, Sometimes it says that the battery pack is overheating. So they're working to fix that problem, and maybe 
we see these, but German says himself that the development hurdles that it's causing, the battery pack could be ultimately delayed or scrapped, according to his sources. I mean, look, we still haven't seen any type of resolution for air power. And by now, a lot of people that really want to get on this, they've purchased other solutions. I talked about Belkin solution. Nomad has a killer wireless charging system that charges three devices, whether it's two phones, one and one AirPods, or three phones, or one phone and two AirPods. I mean, you can kind of mix and match and throw this on this mat. And they're using a different type of wireless charging technology, which is really cool. Um, But you should check out Nomad. Uh, They're a third-party accessory company, makes cases and things like that. Really cool stuff going on there. But in the iOS 14.5 beta 2 that was just recently released, in the code, it it has this specific excerpt that kind of alluded to this idea of a future MagSafe battery accessory. In the code, it says, to improve charging efficiency and maximize available battery life, the battery pack will keep your phone charged at around 90%. So this is from inside the code of iOS 14.5 beta 2. So that's kind of another fun little nugget to look out for. And then thirdly, if everyone says, hey, hey, MagSafe charging, wireless charging, when are we going to be able to maybe charge our AirPods case on our phone? Bloomberg says that's likely not going to happen, especially in the near future. So don't think about AirPods to iPhone kind of doing that reverse charging with each other. This It talked about the MagSafe battery in this report, but internally, Apple has discussed a goal of you know, trying to let a lot of its mobile devices like Apple Watch, like AirPods and iPhones charge each other, but it's not likely that it's going to happen anytime in the near future. We had heard, I, I think, as far back as the iPhone, not 10s, maybe the iPhone 11, that we would see it, and then Apple's plans are scrapped. Everyone got hyped that maybe we'd see it in the 12, and they do have at least, you know, wireless charging with the MagSafe, but not the ability to charge AirPods. And some people don't care about this, and that's fine, I get it. But I will say, it may not be a feature used all the time, but the fact that it exists, it's gonna, it will absolutely come in handy. We've seen this. Samsung phones, other phones have the ability to charge wirelessly their earbuds on the rear of their phone. I think it's a great feature to have. And you have all these features, and it doesn't mean that someone's gonna still buy a Samsung phone just because of that, because... It always comes down to ecosystem. All this tech stuff, all these amazing goodies, it's almost like really the the main deciding factors these days are ecosystem and then maybe camera second. I mean, if I'm saying ecosystem is is includes the operating system, yeah, I think I'm there and we are so settled now. It would be incredibly hard for whatever platform you're on right now. I feel like if you've been using that platform for at least three years, for the more majority of you, it's the idea of switching is hard. You know, I have my primary daily drivers in iPhone. I do have a secondary phone that I use just so I can, I have a SIM card for just so I can be in the know and try all these different phones out. That's for an Android phone. It's on a, a Galaxy S20. It's actually on the BTS edition Galaxy S20 right now. But those are products that have already done this. And I don't, I, I honestly don't think it's moved the needle for them just because of this. It's it's kind of crazy now these days, right? A lot of features that the other competition has that are really cool doesn't still isn't compelling us 
enough for us to jump over. It's just the power of the ecosystem. It's wild. Thanks again to Feels for sponsoring the show. Do you experience stress or do you have anxiety or chronic pain or you just have trouble sleeping at least once a week? Look, you are not alone. Many of us do. I've been independent for a while now and I found that at times it's just so hard for me to sleep with so much going on in my head. So I tried out Feels. Feels is a premium CBD delivered directly to your doorstep. I used it to help regulate my sleep to just get on a better sleeping schedule and be more productive. Feels naturally helps reduce stress, anxiety, pain, and sleeplessness. It's easy to take. You just place a few drops of feels under your tongue. You let it sit there for about 30 seconds. Then in about 30 minutes or so, you're going to start feeling its effects. And no, you're not getting high here. The thing to remember about CBD is that finding your right dose is important and everyone's dose is different. So you can leave room to experiment over the course of a week or so. You may need to take more or less to really just get the effects you're after. Feels is also different because it offers a free CBD hotline and text message support to help guide your personal experience. Plus, there's a very detailed informative guide that details everything that you need to do. I'm honestly not just going to try CBD without the proper information. And Feels works naturally to help you feel better. There's no high, there's no hangover or addiction. And I was a little nervous at first when I first tried it because this was so new to me, but it's really helped calm me down during those extreme stressful times when I'm reviewing like product after product and I can't turn my mind off. Feels helped me get back to routine when I needed it and it can help you too. Now you can join the Feels community to get Feels delivered to your door every month. You'll save money on every order and you can pause or cancel at any time. Feels has me feeling my best every day and it can help you too. Become a member today by going to feels.com slash AppleBits and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash AppleBits to become a member and get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. Feels.com slash AppleBits. Also, got to give big thanks to Indeed for sponsoring the podcast as well. Podcasts are small businesses, so when I'm talking to business owners, we just get it 100%. And when it comes to hiring, every single hire needs to fit just right. Look, my team is tiny. It's myself 95% of the time, but one wrong move could be extremely bad, and that's why I want to talk to you about Indeed. Indeed searches through the millions of resumes in their database to help show you great candidates instantly so you can do the part you really need faster, meeting and hiring great people. Now, unlike some hiring sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility, delivering a quality shortlist faster. With Indeed, there are no long-term contracts. You can pause your account at any time and you only pay for what you need. With Instant Match, you'll see a list of great candidates right away and Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to TalentNest. Do you want your quality shortlist fast? You need Indeed. Right now, get a free $75 credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash AppleBits. This is Indeed's best offer available anywhere. Get a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash AppleBits. Indeed.com slash AppleBits. Offer valid through March 31st. Terms and conditions apply. All right, let's get back into the swing of things. We got some more stories and we've got our calls. Now, I think it was a few episodes ago for those of you that are catching up. Um, look, we had a caller and they talked about, oh, I got these really f- comfy foam AirPods Pro tips and they never fall on my ear anymore. So I reached out to Jordan and it's Jordan Columbus who was helping us all out. And he sent me the actual name of the product of those super comfy foam tips for the AirPods Pro 2 so they won't fall out of your ears and they have them in like 
small, medium, and large. The product is called Comply Foam Apple AirPods Pro. So just look for these. I'm not sponsoring them. I'm not sponsored by them. But as a community and as part of Apple Bits Nation, so many of you asked me like, hey, what, what was the name of the product? Because we never knew. Just look up C-O-M-P-L-Y, Comply Foam Apple AirPods Pro earbud tips, and they should show up on Amazon. And according to Jordan and other people that have used it, they are spot on and it's all you need. So that's my exchange of information to help out the community. Other kind of fun things, Apple TV app. We've been talking about the Apple TV a few times. It's kind of come up as a theme, and some of you wanted to talk about what's the future of it, it's still good, where it can go. Well, this week, Apple TV app is now available on Google's latest Chromecast device. The $50 Chromecast with Google TV, it kind of looks like a, a flattened out egg shape, and it plugs in through the back of your TV set. That now supports the Apple TV app. So this is for shows like Season 2 of For All Mankind. I know people have been talking about that. It just it just came out. You could watch that on there as well and then get access to the entire Apple TV Plus content and then as well as your purchases and other shows. So again, you, you start seeing this on more devices like I talked about how prevalent it is and people do want a new Apple TV and there's plenty of ideas of what we hope the Apple TV is and really what it might just come down to is a faster processor with a U1 chip that speaks to your other potential U1 devices like the AirTags, and then also helps you find your remote better. I I don't know if they'll bring back optical audio. I, I, I doubt that. But maybe some incremental stuff. I don't expect us to see anything like a facelift to uh, the interface anytime, but whatever whatever they do, it's not it likely won't be ground shaking enough where we all have to go run and get an Apple TV where it obviously makes more sense just for them to put Apple TV on as many platforms as they have, which is what I said, and they just did it again with uh, the Chromecast. We're sticking kind of with the Google products and the theme of Chrome. I guess we'll talk about Chromebooks because this was kind of interesting. IDC basically released a report recently that tells us Chromebooks outsold Macs for the first time ever in 2020. So this is new data that Chromebook laptops outsold Mac computers over the entire course of a full year for the very first time. Now, this was driven by obviously a lot of people are home now. And Apple sales, don't don't forget, they also went up. But the big difference here is that Chromebooks outsold Macs even though Macs went up for the first time in 2021. Now, when now if we look at kind of a, I guess a rough market share breakdown if you're talking about windows machines versus chrome os machines and mac os machines windows dominates this area from a standpoint of how many and we know enterprise and business and so many other places where windows machines are and again we're not talking about what specific os they're running but if we're talking about worldwide market share the latest report um as of this q1 of 2021 that's really more recapping the entire year of 2020 Windows, they don't give us the specific numbers, but I can see at this chart. Windows basically makes up roughly anywhere, and it, it changed during the course of the year, roughly from 85 to 75, 76% of the worldwide market share for personal computers. Mac actually grew from 6.7% to 
to 7.5% when you compare it from 2020 versus 2019. So this is summarizing the entire year of 2020 when we're talking about worldwide market share. So Apple is no, is no, you know, it's not hurting by any means. I mean, this quarantine, we saw the numbers, we saw Apple's earnings. They had a record quarter, basically an all-time record quarter. And even though worldwide market share, the Mac will never be at the level of Windows, the Mac itself grew by around 30% compared to the same quarter in the previous year. So Chromebooks, Chrome OS devices sold, Mac devices sold, Windows devices took a little dip down, but still not anywhere in the ballpark where Apple is like taking up even 25% of the market share for, for, we'll call it personal computers, which includes desktops, laptops, and workstations. Now there's been so much buzz around the Apple car. Um, I don't focus on it, haven't focused on it as much because it's such a far out product. And quite honestly, I the feedback that I get from people, I don't have people that are emailing me about Apple car, quite honestly. They're, they're emailing me about everything else other than Apple car. They're not even talking to me too much about Apple glasses um, based on you know whether it's tweets or emails. And I kind of use that as as a general barometer and what people are saying in the comments of my videos and stuff. The first rule about Apple car is you don't talk about Apple car. And Hyundai learned that the hard way because all of a sudden, you know, we hadn't heard about the Apple car for a while. I mean, we know that Apple's been diddling with it and just trying to figure out what they're trying to do with it. There's been ups and downs within the department or within the group. People put on it, people being taken off of it at different directions of what they want to do. Is this going to be a, a system that they license out? Are they going to really, really make their own car? And, you know, the buzz about it had been pretty much almost like crickets. And all of a sudden, Hyundai came out and said, we're working with Apple as a potential manufacturer for the new Apple car. And it blew up. And then, like a few days later, Hyundai said, oh, no, 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 we're no longer working with Apple. You know, Hyundai and Kia were, they started getting all these manufacturers' names now thrown around in the rumor mills. So it was first Hyundai, and then it might be Kia. And then there was talk about Nissan, you know, being a partner with the Apple car. Look, we don't know. We're, they're not even that close. But Hyundai learned the hard way because you, you felt like the way that they responded a day later saying, oh, um, actually, there are no talks. And the fact that they couldn't even keep just like a light, maybe even a light conversation or secret from Apple like that, that there's no way Apple is going to want to work with them unless somehow the numbers just were too irresistible to not work with each other. So first rule about Apple Car, you don't talk about Apple Car. Hyundai learned their lesson. Now, there have been some leaks about the Apple Car, this project kind of being revived. And I loved how all the, like a lot of blogs, I think sometimes it takes one person to report this and then everyone just kind of repeats it. Kind of like what happens with WandaVision where you just hear the same theories from 20 different outlets. And I'm like, hey, let's, Let's come up with different theories. Like you don't, no one really knows what's happening. You don't have to be right. It's actually kind of fun. Like, of course, I read a lot of comic books. That's why I love the iPad Pro. I read comic books all the time, new, old, whatever. They're never going to be exactly like the comic books. People like pull everything from the comic books and say, this is going to happen. No one knows what's going to happen. I'm not going to spoil WandaVision because I'm not that type of person. Although some of y'all cannot help yourself. 
and right when the episode is done, you start tweeting and putting up crap about characters. I'm like, well, really? Is can you just not keep it to yourself? Do you really have to tell the world this? I guess the answer is that. So it reminds me, first rule about Apple Car, don't talk about Apple Car. First rule about WandaVision in my circle, don't talk about WandaVision. Now, there have been other reports that the lead that was heading up Apple's sensor team, sensor team for the Apple Car recently departed Apple, his name is Benjamin Lyon, to join the space startup Astra as the company's chief engineer. And why not? I mean, it it really who knows how far along they are in the process because right after the Hyundai report came out, people were saying, hey, the Apple car is coming out in, 20, in, in 2023. I'm like, what? In, or in like in two or three years. I was like, no. Even when, even when I heard that, it's thing. It didn't, it didn't line up. You know, you tell me it's more like five years plus, then I'll start believing you. But don't tell me it's coming in two or three years. A car with, with really little to no, I, and I could be wrong too, so let's put it out there. I don't know. We only know what we know from these current reports because they're pretty loosely, loosely put out there. But so the head of one of the heads leading up the sensor team working on the Apple car recently said, hey, uh, I'm Audi. It was a fun ride. <laughs> I'm sorry I had to do it. I'm so sorry. You have you completely have uh, permission to just stop and throw this podcast away after that. Okay, <laughs> uh, you know you know how cheesy like that. Okay, so back to the story. Apple is now, according to other reports, after the lead of their sensor team has departed. Reports say that Apple is talking to multiple lidar suppliers for self-driving car tech. So this is obviously going to be a key technology in the development of this. Let's call it the Apple car. I just, who knows what it's going to look like. The most intriguing thing to me about the Apple car, quite honestly, is the most intriguing thing about Apple, period. How their processors that are super computers that fit about the size of my thumb or so, how how will they factor into the efficiency of this future car? I'm not going to get on board and get all crazy like, oh, the Apple car is going to be amazing. You've heard me talk about it plenty of times. You, you want to get excited about an Apple car in, Tesla in five years? Talk to me about a te- what a Tesla looks like in five years. That's exciting. I mean, they're already, they're already here. And will Apple be able to, to leapfrog that? I mean, we've heard plenty of stories how, you know, people, when they talk about Tesla cars, it's because they're more of like a tech company that's making a car. And there are some car enthusiasts and purists that, get frustrated by certain aspects of the actual car when it comes to craftsmanship, design, quality control. But then the tech audience, the experience, the features, the technology is so amazing and it works really well, I would say for an overwhelming majority of people that they don't they even overlook some of that stuff. The craftsmanship the car stuff, they get more excited about the experience stuff and the tech stuff is what gets them excited because, yeah, I mean, I don't have a Tesla, but my lady does, and it's a badass car. Like, I love that thing. It's amazing. So, you know, you look at what Tesla has done, 
And you got to imagine that way of thinking here again, Apple chasing that company with the kind of same thinking mentality. They're thinking of it as a tech device over a car. And that's what Tesla has shown what they can do. So it is intriguing, but you know, until we start seeing something real, get back at me. I still want to tell you about because I know there's plenty of people that are like intrigued about the Apple car and what it could be, but there's been plenty of research and publicly documented stuff about Apple and LiDAR technology. I mean, it is really at the heart of what they hope to be the future for their iPhone, their iPad, but really all that data then funnels into their Apple Glass project and augmented reality, which then easily you can see it transfer over to heads-up displays for car driving. So this is all connected. Their processors, their LiDAR sensor, this is all tech-connected. And it'll be really intriguing to see where it goes. But it's not like I'm opening, I'm already in my head saying, I'm opening my wallet for an Apple car now. I'm definitely not there. All right, um, I'll give you something to chew on (laughs) if you really want it. I guess we'll go here. According to research firm Omdia, according to research firm Omdia, Apple may launch a 7-inch foldable iPhone with Apple Pencil support in 2023. Now, I feel like any analyst firm could have honestly released this story based on rumors we've heard. And quite honestly, that does happen a lot. Um, It doesn't look like they have any new evidence, right? The device is said to have a display size in the range of 7.3 to 7.6 inches, feature a foldable OLED panel. We've talked in maybe even just a couple episodes back about the different foldable technology that Apple has been looking at, that Apple has patented. Okay, there'll be a pen involved. Every Look, I love, I love the Z Fold 2 so much. And if Apple made anything remotely close to that, I would love that. It's still my favorite device of 2020. I think that the Z Fold 3, depending on what they do with it, arguably could be my favorite device of 2023, even if I can't afford it. Like it, it's an amazing device and it works so well software and hardware together it and it can actually only get better i mean there's plenty of places where it could get better but it was still just an amazing product and actually had a role to play in my life and i only talk about this because i think people are fascinated with the idea of apple coming out with a foldable phone um i don't know what you think a seven inch foldable phone would you pull the trigger on it i think it's always fun to kind of reopen those conversations and you know what? I'd love to hear from y'all. If you want to call in, you know, you can send in your voice memos to applebitsshow at gmail.com. Okay, fine. You may want a foldable iPhone or not. What would be the reason? What would be the one main function or use you would you would use it for? Now, if you're really just gonna say it's because Apple makes it, okay, that I know there's I know there's a good amount of you out there that that feel that way, but I'm really curious what it is because uh that z full 2 is is killer and it's available right now and it kind of shows yeah it's two thousand dollars starting but i wonder if they can get that thing down to like even sixteen hundred fifteen hundred does that move the needle for more people to buy one we'll see according to another report from digitimes apple's commissioned lg display to develop a display panel 
specifically destined for a foldable iPhone. That's according to Digitimes. We'd seen other reports like we already know Apple and Samsung are good friends. And Samsung has been also rumored to be a supplier of one of their choices for an OLED foldable display. We know that Apple has samples in front of them based on multiple reports. So they're still playing with this. Doesn't mean it's going to come out. Uh, I think quite honestly, right? They're just going to wait in the wings and see how the Z Fold 2 situation, you know, comes together. And then that will be a good indicator. Like, I just don't see, unfortunately, I, w- I would love to see Apple just throw something new out that no one's really doing, but that's just kind of like not who they are. So, hey, we all love a great tech surprise that just blows our mind. Well, Apple can still blow our mind with a tech surprise that everyone has done. They just do it their way. And that's why we all freaking like, at least generally get excited by what Apple does. And again, it always comes down to the ecosystem. That ecosystem means something. I don't think I would have been nearly as excited about AirPods Max or at least interested. Let's say interested because I was pretty skeptical about them if they did not offer me those ecosystem benefits as an Apple user. They they wouldn't even be on my radar, quite honestly. So it just shows you how powerful it is. All right, everybody. We told you to call in, applebitshow at gmail.com. We got four calls today. Love it. Thank you so much for everyone who calls in. Let's start off with our friend, Jonathan, who wants to talk about Apple products. Hey, Brian, love the show. I actually think I agreed with you that the Apple Watch used to be the most exciting product in Apple's lineup. I think the torch has been passed now to you know the M1 and future M processor-powered Macs. I think that's something with the biggest upside in Apple's lineup now. But I'm also wondering if the Apple TV shouldn't become basically a AAA gaming device. Gaming is such a huge, huge market. If Apple can get just a tiny percent of that, they can they can really, really, really clean up. I just don't see a whole lot of reason to, to upgrade a lot of their other products. The watch can gain some more health and fitness sensors. I hope it does. Blood sugar, blood pressure, you know, galvanic skin response for stress testing like some Fitbits have. iPad Pros, sure they'll get 5G, sure they'll get micro LED screens, but people don't really use the cameras that much in iPads, so there's not a whole lot of reason to upgrade. I think the, the Macs and the Apple TV are the products with the, the biggest upside right now that Apple can most improve upon. Thanks. All right. First of all, Jonathan, that microphone sounds amazing. So thank you for that call. Lo- love when it, like, honestly, when those kind of crazy mics tingle my spine. I'm like, ooh, that's some quality audio there. It sounds good. Jonathan, uh, I think that you make all great points. You know, I'm aligned with exactly what you said. The biggest thing for me, you know, the question of why not, I think Apple Arcade, yes, it's made for mobile devices. I mean, I've used the service. I think it's great, but it still wasn't enough for me to pay for it. I think Apple Arcade is a way for Apple to dip their toes in the water to see how much people really care about games on the Apple platform, because no matter what, they can make the Apple TV a gaming device. It still doesn't matter until developers get on board. I mean, a great example here is look at the PS5 and the Xbox Series X. The Xbox Series X, on paper, the more powerful console of the two. But on launch, and even to this day, which console has the games, the original new titles, more of them that you can't find anywhere else, and they're good titles as well? It's the PlayStation 5, and there's a reason why it was a whole lot easier to get a PlayStation 5 than an Xbox Series X, and I have nothing but love for both consoles. I mean, I'm a gamer to the core. I still game as much as I can when, I'm, when I can, can game, because I'm always pumping out content, but you know, you think about those two, and then you think about the Nintendo Switch, and then you think about 
some of these other streaming platforms. I mean, she's Xbox has their own game streaming platform that can be played on Android devices. You have Google Stadia out there. Uh, I believe Amazon was, wants to be a player in that as well. Where does Apple TV, what kind of market share can they pull in? And I think they they know exactly the numbers that Apple Arcade has shown them. And it it will either reinforce their commitment to maybe try to ga- get into gaming once again or not. You know, I've talked about this on the show, even from a PC, like an iMac standpoint. They, look, the M1 chip, M2 chip, whatever we have, they can be the most powerful PC chip on the planet. And if developers don't come and make games for them because they still don't see the Mac as a viable gaming platform in people's eyes, it's just not going to happen. And it hasn't happened for years. When I say years, I mean, we're talking about decades. So I love the idea, but unless they get, you know, it's not going to happen, but Naughty Dog or Insomniac Games, um, Bethesda, some of these amazing studios, it's, you know, it's just not going to happen. So it really takes a partnership of software and hardware. And even if uh, Apple secured, let's say, one or two developers, you know, they would need, they would need those developers to commit long-term financial commitments and think about this as a game developer you're going to go to just like an app developer and an and a mobile game developer you're going to go where the most units are that people are actively using for that um triple a gaming titles they're putting them on playstation and xbox first and then the technology and the time it takes to adapt them and then make them compatible for apple where you don't even have a, a people with Apple TVs don't even have a physical controller. You'd have to go and buy them, which can be done. But I think when a device comes with a controller, it already tells us this is a gaming device and we're ready to game and we don't need to buy anything else. That's not what the Apple TV is, right? It's more of a media center, entertainment type of product accessory to the ecosystem. So love it. Wish it happened long ago. Still hasn't happened. And I love your microphone. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Jonathan. Thanks so much for calling. Next up, we've got our buddy, Sajil. He wants to talk about the Max. Hey, Brian. It's Sajil from Northern Virginia. I wanted to get your thoughts on the long-term prospects of the M1 Max. Do you think there could be an SE model coming to the Mac line in 2022? You've correctly called Tim Cook specials from the past, but used prior gen internal elements and then repackaged them into cheaper enclosures. So do you think you could see a polycarbonate entry-level Mac at a sub-799 price point? Looking forward to getting your perspectives. Thanks. Look, I would absolutely love to see this. Sajil, I mean, I think that this is in Apple's DNA, but the only thing that might hinder it right now is that because the M1 chip is so new and so fresh and there's so much energy and so much excitement around it, yes, could Apple release a cheaper, you know, kind of like back in the day, we called them the iBooks for those of you that remember, even they, there was a time they were just the MacBooks. Um, they could do it, but, you know, I feel like maybe they'd wait for the processor to get a little mo- bit more mature. At the end of the day, what Tim Cook has proven to us is that he's a businessman first and margins matter and making money at every level matters. So I would actually lean to it being more likely than not that we'd actually see some sort of polycarbonate, quote unquote, budget Mac SE, and maybe it'll just be a laptop. I don't, I don't, I don't see them doing it with at least the desktop side. I mean, they have the Mac Mini. Um, that's kind of like, I mean, it's not exactly, but at least it's a more 
affordable Mac. So I'm going to say uh, without knowing anything whatsoever, I don't know if they're going to actually do it, but it's absolutely more likely than not that it happens in the next three years. Some of you are like, nah, they ain't going to do it. But remember, Steve Jobs only pushed for one iPhone. We now have four iPhones. And then really in actually five iPhones, if you can uh, include the iPhone SE in the current year cycle of iPhones, then you still have a few of them of earlier models that are still available. So I wouldn't put anything past Tim Cook to do when it comes to multiple models at multiple tiers because it is truly, it is, you know, the Tim Cook special. It is in his DNA and it is what he does. We saw it finally actually hitting the Apple Watch line, right? Did did we think they were gonna do that? Probably not because the Apple Watch isn't that expensive, but the Apple Watch SE tells you that they're willing to do it on more than just the iPhone. And so that thinking has to be permeating throughout the organization for other models. Because look, Chromebooks outsold Apple for the first time in 2020. We just had that story earlier. That's an indication of a market that Apple shouldn't be losing. And by releasing a polycarbonate uh, MacBook SE, as we like to say, that that takes care of a lot of that. If you're if they're releasing a computer that's more around six ninety nine, seven ninety nine instead of nine ninety nine. We will see. Fun question to think about, though. All right, next up, my boy Juan. Hi, Brian. This is Juan from Sacramento listening to the host with the most. Thank you, man, for all the content. It really helps with the drive. Um, you know, two points. On the Apple TV Plus, man, I feel so sad about that because I don't think I would ever... Uh, subscribe to Apple TV Plus on as a standalone uh, service. I have it because I have Apple One, and because you know I gotta get my Apple Music. I have uh, the iCloud storage, which I share with my spouse, and I gotta have me some Apple Arcade. That's an awesome service, and Apple TV Plus is just included with that. And shows like Ted Lasso are freaking amazing, but it's a show that nobody probably saw. As for the Apple, uh, the iPhone 12 mini, you know, I work for one of the big uh, carriers. And uh, uh, yeah, when I, when I show people the iPhone 12 mini, everybody loves it. Everyone thinks it's cute and all. But they tend to always go with the iPhone 12 or iPhone 12 Pro. So I don't know what it is. I think as a society, we're all just kind of accustomed to larger screens simply because of the amount of media and content we consume. It's easier to do it that way i have so much inventory of the iphone 12 mini but i rarely get a lot of iphone 12 process the 12 pros that stay in stock so anyways thanks a lot uh for everything man the content you put out is great and it really helps throughout my day all right juan love that Uh, i love when people can contribute from the ground and give us real insights from their experience you know we we can talk about certain things based on what we know and have heard, but uh, I love that. So really appreciate you calling in, Juan. And I will say some people probably like clenched their fist when you told them that no one watches Ted Lasso. Um, I am one of those no ones right now. I promised Apple Bits Nation I will give it a shot, and I know I'm going to love it. Everyone's like, all my friends that watch this, like, dude, you got to see Ted Lasso. And it, it, right, it lined up all these uh, nominations for this coming award season. So um, hopefully more people can watch it, but 
you know, we we talk about this even in our uh, Patreon exclusive Zoom call. Just we it always we always end up talking about content because everyone just it just shows how powerful content is. And you know, Apple TV content needs to get there needs to get more. There needs to get better content. And look what happens after they stop extending the subscription service trial for now what is about a year and three or four months. You know what happens. Apple doesn't report their numbers, guys and gals. Um, Disney Plus came out and said they have 95 million paid subscribers in roughly a little over a year. What do we think Apple TV Plus has for actual paid subscribers that are not Apple One bundle subscribers? I'm damn curious about that. So, um, you know, it's fun. But thanks for the iPhone 12 mini insights. You know. It's still a great phone, but yeah, you know, I I think when people get them down to it, like your point, I like watching videos on a bigger screen and pictures and photos and everything, and it matters. But I still love the iPhone 12 mini at the same time. I'm just not going to use it personally as my daily driver. All right, last call in the house. We got David. He has a question. I think we got an answer. Hey, Brian, this is David from Los Angeles. First time caller, long time listener. Keep up the good work. Anyway, I'm just calling to talk about, and I've been watching season two of Servant on Apple TV Plus, and when they FaceTime in the show, they airplay it, or they have it displayed on their TV. But I don't remember that being a feature listed as something that you could do, or maybe they're hinting to something that's coming. I'm not sure. I haven't tested it out myself. I just love your feedback and see if you've um, watched the show. It's actually pretty good. Anyway keep up the good work okay um david as people will find out i don't watch that much apple tv plus content only because i've alluded to this before trust me i'm cranking out a lot of content and then also what i prioritize my time with is pretty much disney plus content sometimes i'll once in a while I'll watch a little Netflix. It's only the one I really find a show that I really love, like Crash Landing on You, uh, the greatest K-drama of all time, in my humble opinion. You all got to check it out. If you love romance, comedy, drama, and action, it has it all. But I digress. Um, Servant, I have not seen. I did watch The Morning Show, loved it, and then gave all the other shows like For All Mankind a spin. I thought For All Mankind was cool, but I didn't get locked into it. And maybe season two gives me a chance but quite honestly when you talk about trying to find time to catch up with content i just finished watching the entire season seasons of the wire you know i'd always heard how breaking bad and the wire are the two greatest television shows of all time i watched breaking bad back in the day i never had time to watch the wire because i never had hbo back then i finally watched it because i have hbo max and that show's incredible as well so that's where all my time has been. It's been between you know, like a half hour of video games once in a while and then watching The Wire and then Disney Plus that, and then NBA basketball games. That, that's all I got, Warriors games specifically. That's all I got time for. So it's nothing personal, y'all. Um, but as, should we answer your actual question? Yes. Okay, check this out. On your iPhone or your iPad, if you scroll down, pull down from the top right corner to con- in Control Center, there's a button called screen mirroring. Now I know maybe the show presented it like as if almost like they were kind of like talking through their TV, but um, if you use screen mirroring, 
and you are in a FaceTime call, you will still need to hold your phone up to your face because it's using the phone's camera. You will be able to see that FaceTime call on your TV and the TV does need to support AirPlay or AirPlay 2. Um, I guess more like TV, it would have an Apple TV connected to it. And then for most modern TVs, it supports AirPlay 2. If it does, you can toss exactly what you see on your screen from your phone or your iPad, um, shoot, even your computer if you wanted to, to your, to your TV. So just find screen mirroring. It's on control center when you swipe down from the top right. And voila, there you go. It's like magic. I'm sure not everyone knew that. So I just wanted to share the love. And I know y'all sticking around still. So that is going to do it for this week's show, everybody. Thank you. Thank you so much for hanging. And thank you so much for supporting. We got to give big shouts out to our platinum apples at the $100 Patreon level. My goodness. Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frader, Jarrett Lewis, Eric Cohen, and Atari Koenigsegg. Thank you for all of your contributions. Thank you everybody for everything you do to help support me and allow me to continue to do this i mean it really is a blessing and uh i'm always grateful that's why honestly i work my butt off and i don't slack because you support what i do and i'm just not gonna slack i just can't it's not in my dna but you've allowed me to do this and i can only say thanks and the way that i say thanks is by continuing to pump out as much content as i can and when i get to the point where i'm super burned out then i will take a break (laughs) but Thank you so much, everybody. If you want to support the show, patreon.com slash Tong is how you do it. Early access to content, benefits at every level, and completely ad-free version of the podcast. You don't hear any of that all here. But that's going to do it for this week. Plenty of new stuff coming. Look, March, we're just bubbling to March. We expect to see new stuff from Apple. It's going to be a fun month. Can't wait to hear from y'all. And again, call in. I'm really, really happy that you all came out strong this show called in with a variety of topics that's what i want to hear that's what i want the show to be about not just me yapping but i want it to be about you as well so take everybody we'll talk to you soon be safe it's the apple bits xl baby peace